Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I am doing okay. Um, I know I'm that you... I know you're you're a little sour because of that game. I'm grumpy. I'm grumpy after that game. Bruce, I was just glad they got a point out of it, man. I was Mm -hmm. like, you're you're down by a goal. No matter how you got there, you fight back from a 2-0 deficit. And are you... Bruce, did you do something to your camera? There you go. Fight back from a 2-0 deficit and um, tie the game. You get down another goal. Like, like there were some horrible moments on that goal against. But you tie it again, and you get a point out of it. Now, there was, a, an, an, again, another horrible moment in overtime. I, I guess the reason to be sour is each of the four goals against was kind of uniquely horrible. Each of them was, was full of brain cramps. Mm-hmm. And one of them was a brain cramp, frankly, by the coach. And we're going to talk about that, I, I think. As much as anyone, because this is this has been an ongoing issue that he has yet to solve. This is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast about Edmonton's four-three overtime loss to the Anaheim Ducks. Bruce, what is your good thing? Well, I'm going to go with the uh, newcomers at forward, especially uh, Tyler Ennis, who uh, I thought Sean in his first game as an Oiler. To me, he was the best oiler on the ice, most consistently guy taking the puck hard to the net and not screwing up when he didn't have the puck. That's a rare combination. And uh, he uh, uh, he made a beautiful deflection on the, on the uh, first oiler goal that got them back in the game. And it was his shot to the drive to the net and shot from outside that... Uh, somehow got through John Gibson and uh, allowed the rebound for uh, his brand-new line mate, Andreas Athanasiu, to tap home for the 3-3 goal and the the point. Now, Oilers, Oilers did deserve one point. They were the better team on, on the night. They were. Uh, by shots and by scoring <clears throat> chances and so on. Um, but I don't think they deserved both points because I didn't think they played all that smart. But anyway, they, they did get the one. It would have been a real, real piss off if they got come out of that game with nothing. But uh, it's uh, anyway, the two new guys came through. Each set up the other guy with the primary assist and a goal because uh, it was Anasiu's beautiful pass through a guy's skates that Ennis tipped home for the first goal. And then he returned the favor by going hard to the net himself and uh, finding that puck. And in the edge of the inside the blue paint and tapping it home. So uh, uh, they delivered uh, as promised and then some. I mean, goal and assist is a good game for any player at any time. So 17 grade A chances for the Oilers, Bruce, 11 mm-hmm. for Anaheim. And that was a very tantalizing game because it, it, it left me imagining if Yamamoto was there. I mean, he really is a <coughs> huge factor on that second line, obviously. They really missed him. But if he was there, uh, and you have that first line, which was mm-hmm. I thought was great. I thought McDavid on the attack mm-hmm. was fantastic tonight on the attack. There was a few defensive issues, but um, yeah, it makes you wish they had signed Tyler Ennis uh, this summer 
this past summer now of course he had a he had a big game and, and it's he himself said he was doing it on adrenaline right but he's a very fast player he's yamamoto like right like he, he's a very kind of yamamoto like speedy skilled um aggressive hockey player smaller hockey player so <clears throat> yeah i agree with you excellent game from from him and at you also Aside from one, one situation where twice he should have shot the puck and he passed yes. it instead, yes. uh, he, he also played well. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was pretty good. And I thought Mike Green um, had his moments, he, uh, strong moments with the puck. Maybe a few defensive breakdowns. Nice passer. Yeah, a nice passer of the puck. Bruce, my good thing is Ethan Bear. And um, with Clefbaum out especially, he... Uh, he is just such a dominant puck mover right now. He is so good with the puck. Just again and again and again, I would, play after play after play. Mm-hmm. He would have his head up, his eyes up, and he would shimmy and shake and make a move and do some great skating and, and fire off a great pass. And um, his play on the power play, uh, I thought was... I'm not just saying this because I advocated for so hard for him to on be the on the two, power play. On the two-two goal, yeah, he was. Key yeah, on what that. it? He he knocked it down a couple times. He made really tough plays at the blue line a couple times to control the puck, and um, passed it in to uh, I think it was McDavid for the uh, you know who who kicked. That was the sequence of joy on the uh, tying goal on the second goal for the Oilers. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, Bear had a few. Bad defensive moments. He was um, a culprit on a couple goals against, but I don't think he was the main culprit. <clears throat> By the time he was asked to make a play and he failed to make it both times, there had been multiple right. horrendous mistakes by other players. So, he, although he, you know, he, he, he was out to, there. He failed to clean up the mess as yeah. opposed to causing the actual mess. Yeah, he could, he wasn't, he didn't play the sweeper role. He didn't give it the old friends, Beckenbauer, and stop the uh, the goal at the final second, but um, he he has been so crucial to the Oilers this year, and he just he just again showed his quality in this game. He is a he is a really good NHL hockey player. So glad he's an Oiler. Anything? Yeah. <laughs> What's not to like? I mean, he, he's he's learning. He's getting better and better. I spoke about him at length after the last game, and I. Single him out for his excellent play, and as you say, I mean, you look at the you look at the event summary, and you see he's got three giveaways uh, more than anybody else on the Oilers. But you know, I bet you he handles the puck more than anybody else on the Oilers over the course of a game too. And you might think, well, McDavid and Drysaddle have it more, but I'm not sure they have it more often. No, they have I it think for he... longer. But I think the puck goes through Bear's stick an awful lot over the course of you know. Oh, no doubt about it. Ice time, you know, so the odd time it's going to wind up on the other team's stick. And I guess the question is, is it a a giveaway, uh, one that causes immediate grief, or is it just something where he tries to get it out of the zone and they keep it in, but, you know, nothing comes out of it? So, anyway, he's... uh, uh, He was also putting up the crooked numbers in the shots on goal tonight, seven uh, shot attempts from the blue line, so... He was quite active in that game, for sure. Bruce, what is your bad thing tonight? Well, I'm a in between, but I think I'm just going to go with all the goals against. 
I hated them all. Um, That's four I mean, bad I, I things, never, Bruce. I never, you're, yeah, you're, I know. You're stretching I never, it, like, but I'll let I you never, get away. I never, well, Dave Tippett in his post game called it a cluster. What happened <laughs> on the, I think he was talking about the second goal, but it really could have been any of them. That's the thing. Yeah. Like they lost their defensive discipline and they just kind of lost their way. And it was, uh, I mean, the first goal, Riley Shane gives the puck away in the corner to a guy, and the guy comes out of the corner, goes through the slot, goes into the front of the net, and chips the puck home. And I don't think he ever had two hands on his stick. And he beat four <laughs> Oilers on the play, four guys that either just skated by him. Nobody touched him. Nobody, you know, challenged him for, for the puck uh, or to get in his way or anything. Just sort of, oh, well, next guy will get it. Next go, oh, it's in the net. Including you know, Mike Smith. Smith. Mike Smith, who's trying to poke check the guy when, you know, it's a one-handed shot that beats him. And the reason it beats him is because he's moved his blocker because he's mistimed <laughs> the poke check. And he just out-hustled four different Oilers, one guy. Now, Sonny Milano playing his first game for Anah- Anaheim Ducks. He was highly motivated, as we saw from... Uh, Oilers' own Tyler Ennis tonight, you know, he, he was clearly pumped. They had a, I mean, I think there was eight guys in this game who played their first game for their new team, because so I'm pretty sure Anaheim had five, and I know Edmonton had three. And so it was a weird game. And and some of the lack of teamwork on Edmonton's side of the puck uh, was probably because of that. I mean, one of the culprits on that first goal was, to me, Mike Green, that just skated, the guy skated right by him, and he's kind of cruised away and took Ryan Getzlaff out in the high slot while the goal scorer just went right through him, put the puck in the net. So that was ugly. The second goal, uh, possibly even uglier. I, I, I counted five mistakes by the five skaters. Every one of them did a different mistake. Uh, Josh Archibald made a terrible line yeah. change. Uh, Nuge lost a battle where he just didn't really engage. And then they had... Uh, uh, Dry saddle was dead on the back dry, check. Dry, dry saddle with a weak back check. Where have we seen that before? And uh, uh, Nurse just backed away from the slot while the goal scorer came in five feet in front of him and put it home. Like, I don't know what Nurse thought he was covering there. And then Bear allowed the pass. So we have five mistakes and five different codes, which you don't see that every day. <laughs> Usually at least a couple of them are making the same, you know, beat the same way. But no. Bruce, and then and then Nurse on the third goal, like the, mm-hmm. the play Nurse made on the boards on that third goal against. I mean, uh, come on, what what are yeah. you doing? Like, why are you going and hitting the boards? Like, you didn't even cream someone. Like, wasn't even for you didn't even take yourself out of the play with the big hit. You you mm-hmm. took yourself out of the play with the the no hit. Right. And 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 then you know Drysaddle and and Bear couldn't contain the damage, but. Yeah, not a not a great night. And the fourth one was, of course, the power play goal in overtime after the McDavid penalty, and it wasn't as a egregious a defensive <clears throat> coverage as really all three of the regulation goals. But the fact is that Adam Larson got himself on the wrong side of the goal scorer and decided to hit him in the back as opposed to you know his stick, you know the one thing he can score the goal with, you know take that maybe. And Nurse got beat on that one as well. Nurse had a pretty tough night, man. Even even on that one, you know, that was not great defending down low by not. either Nurse or Larson. So it no. was 
it was also in the category of the cluster blank. Yeah, um, it's pretty first, stinky defending, you know. And yeah, I, Archibald's line change on that second one. Whoa! But he, on the second one, Drysaddle had a chance to to get it deep at one point, and he failed to. And then they came back in the Oilers' end. I think it was even before they got it out again. Like it was just this endless, horrendous shift, and ended in the you know it was the one of the longest sequences of pain we've seen this year. Bruce, my bad thing is Dave Tippett. And I'm singling out the coach tonight because there is an ongoing issue in overtime with McDavid and Dreisaitl overstaying their welcome and not shifting off. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, after about 50 seconds or after about 45 seconds on the ice, both McDavid and Dreisaitl had opportunities to get off yep. the ice and neither one did. And at yep. this point, that's on the coach. Yep, at I this agree. point, if he has not, you know, how many games in or how many overtimes has this been? So McDavid took his penalty at 105 of overtime. Mm-hmm. What were the other numbers you were mentioning last week when the goals against Kane? 114, 113, 109, and 114. And tonight's so, penalty officially came again at 109. So basically 70 seconds <clears throat> into overtime. And one of the or both of the defensive culprits on the four goals and the penalty tonight are players that played the entire 70 seconds and were sucking wind and got beat. You can't have that. And and this at this point, this is on Dave Tippett. He, I mean, don't put those guys out for overtime if they're not listening to you at this point. Don't yeah, put them out. Start, start Send a, different a message. Line. Start, start a different, different line. line. Put the other out team starts a different line. And then the second line scores because they're going against tired Oilers. And now they got guys. They got Ennis and FNSU. They've got Nugent Hopkins. There's there's players they could put out there. And so if it's if it's the players who aren't listening to you, but if you're still allowing this at yeah. this point, what are you doing as a coach? You're giving away points. Uh, yeah, giving away to... valuable points. Tippett gave away. That's on him. He gave away some valuable points tonight. Shame on the coach for not getting on top of this. And, um, you know, if, if they're out of the playoffs by one point, I mean, he'll, he'll look in the mirror. Because you're you're not you're not focusing on what is a huge problem at this point. Well, uh, the last six games that were decided in overtime, there was a couple shootouts in there. Went, went five minutes without a goal, but the last six that were decided in overtime, the Oilers lost five, and in all five of them, you know, they either gave up the goal or tonight they took the key penalty at that exact same point at the end of a long shift against fresher opponents than than they were. And they got to wake up to it, man. They got to. I mean, they're great players. Don't get me wrong. But they're not entitled to play the whole overtime. If they're not able to play it at the at top speed, and, you know, the last 30 seconds, they were they were without the puck. And McDavid, as you say, he was right in front of the bench at about the 50-second mark. And I thought he'd gone off. And then a few seconds later, there he is behind the net, still out there and taking a penalty. Ouch. And, and don't get me wrong. Tippett's a great coach. Mm-hmm. Like he's done... Oh, fantastic course. job this season with this, this with this team. This is a specific criticism. Yeah. I mean, all year long, I've been praising him, especially for, well, well for two things. You know, that up-the-middle pass, which actually led to the uh, first goal against when Shane, bob- Shane bobbled it. But mm-hmm. usually that works, and it's been working all year long. It worked again this game, all game long. And his ability to find um, the right combinations and roles for different players is fantastic. <clears throat> his ability to get these players working hard game after game after game has been really fantastic. This is a really hard-working team. 
um, that, that goes for it and, and works hard and plays smart hockey and it's been very impressive all year long. But man, that's uh, whoa! Like, do they not have a post mortem <laughs> where they go over what went wrong and figure like after I'm three games? Wonder, you think, eh? I'd be looking. I'd be running the tape on all five of those <laughs> games and seeing what happened, what the common point is. And, I mean, we know that what the common outcome is. Well, why did it get to that point? And why did the other team have fresher players than Edmonton in five out of five situations? Yeah. Seven what is your five. number, Bruce? Oh, number. Yeah. Uh, Do you want me to go? Yeah, you go first. Sorry. <laughs> uh, my number, it's uh, Ethan Bear's ice time in the last three games, 26-51. Mm-hmm. This game, 25-11 and 26-58. So um, he's playing right now with Clefbaum out as much as any defenseman in the NHL. And hmm. um, pretty impressive how he's playing hockey. He's getting the job done. So, I mean, I raved about him earlier, so I don't have much more to say, but <coughs> that's a lot of ice time. Those are a lot of hard minutes. He's playing on the PK, power play, tough minutes at even strength. Sign this man up. Sign this man up to a long term. If you can get a Clefbaum deal... What, what was yeah. Clefbaum? Seven years at 4.167? Yeah, you can right get, after his ELC. In fact, signed before his ELC even ended. Yeah. If you can get uh, like the pro-rated, whatever that would be now, that 4.167 on Bear, I think it would probably be about, what, 4.6, 4.7 over mm-hmm. seven years, probably. Yeah, I'm just least, guessing. Yeah. yeah. If you can get him for anything under five on a long, like a seven-year contract, just do it. He sure looks like the real deal, doesn't he? He does, like, Bruce. It's it's not like it's he's just on a hot streak and the, you know, midnight's going to come and he's going to turn into a pumpkin. There's there's no evidence of that within uh, Ethan's game. He's he's uh, you know he has his occasional tough nights, but he bounces back and he's still playing a lot of very good hockey deep into the season, even with this huge load of minutes. Bruce, I, I think oh. he's a better player than Clefbaum was when they gave Clefbaum that deal. Like, I think he's a more effective player. Mm-hmm. Um, then just look at his work on the power play tonight. I mean, I just, if he's used there eventually, he's going to be able to be successful because he's a really skilled attacker. I mean, that was a that was a great audition for him tonight in that role. He did very well, I thought. And, um, man, yeah, you know, I guess... They know Ethan Bear, of course. They know him well enough, you know. They should know him by now, and they'll, they'll make their decision, but I'd love to see him decide long-term. What is your number? Well, I'm going to go with 61%, which was the Oilers on the face-off circle tonight. It's like a part of the reason they controlled the puck for much of the game <clears> was dominance right off the dot, and especially Connor McDavid, 11 out of 13, 80, 85%. And... Leon Dreisaitl with his usual huge workload, 24 draws, 14 wins, uh, 58%. And Leon's been taking close to half the faceoffs in many of these uh, Oilers games. So I expect, now that McDavid's back, that'll level out a little bit, but he's still by far the most in every game. And so the team as a whole did have a uh, did have control of the, the faceoff dot uh, and, and the puck. So... There's one positive number out of this mess. <laughs> it was a better game. I mean, the owners played pretty well, Bruce, and they got the loser point. Um, I'm going to sneak in another yeah. number. That's five. That was the five seconds that um, an Anaheim defenseman had a grip on Patrick Russell's stick 
without a penalty being called. Mm. California, man. California. <sighs> yeah. Who are they playing tomorrow night? Is it San Jose? Uh, they're playing Las Vegas? Vegas. Oh, Vegas tomorrow night. Well, they have to fly into Vegas. Oh, man. Play there. Vegas has won six in a row. And Oilers have won six in a row on their back-to-backs. So uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow on their seventh back-to-back of the season. But uh, Vegas is hot. And they got a new goalie to roll out there, Robin Leonard. We might see him. I was a little surprised Smith played tonight. I'm assuming, still assuming they're going to split these two games and that Koskinen will go tomorrow. But I just would have guessed they would have, they would have given Smith the extra day and saved him for the Vegas game since he won in there last time. But I'd be, still be very surprised if uh, if Tippett went back to Smith tomorrow night. That would be... Uh, that well, Smith was good tonight, but he wasn't great. I mean, he was okay. The first goal was a stinker. Four goals yeah. on 21 shots. Yeah, four goals on 11 grade-A scoring chances. That's not, not great. great work. Yeah, exactly, Bruce. Exactly. He did make one great stop with about a minute 30 to go in yeah, regulation when Michael Delzato skated right past Connor McDavid to the edge of the crease for what would have been an absolute killer, devastating goal to give up. At least in overtime, you give up that goal, it's a pain in the ass, but you've got your one point. To give up one at the end of regulation is just, you know, it's just kicking the junk. And kudos for Drew Amanda for actually pointing out McDavid. Mm-hmm. You know, as many defensive goals as McDavid and Drysettle have had this year, they don't often get talked about um, on the regular broadcast. It's not something that people uh, tend to mention. So we make up for it, Bruce. We make up for mm-hmm. it here. That's our pe- peculiar yeah. role in the Euler ecosphere, Eulogosphere. Well, we know that every player on the team hangs on our every word, right? But I mean, <laughs> we've got to call them as we see them. Otherwise, what's the point of doing this? Well, that's that's right. And you know, if the team also... was perfect, they'd be 63-0-0, and they're not the last time I checked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alrighty, you got the game grades? Uh, well, I'm partway through, yep. Okay. Yep, going to be uh, fairly sharp and to the point tonight, I think, because uh, there's not a lot to take away from that game, really. Like, it wasn't one that'll go down in the annals of time. Well, it was a really great addition for the new top line, okay. uh, for, for a oh, second nice. top line on the team. Bruce, if Yamamoto comes back oh. and we get these two two lines rolling, this is going to be a hockey team. It just Clap seems bomb. so unfair. They finally <laughs> got the guys they've been waiting for to flesh out the top six. And Yamamoto, who turned, came close to, you know, single-handedly turning the season around. Like, he came in a game 42, and they went 11-5-3, and 13-5-3 uh, during his 21 games. And to lose him, I mean, his whole line seemed to be down the court tonight in terms of their inspiration and their their hustle and their oh by the way i did a poll on uh, whether it should be called the dry line oh or yeah the yamamoto line or mm. the dry line or the um dynamite, dynamite line. Mm-hmm. so um because because i hear both and i was just trying to settle this once and for all and i put the poll out just before i hadn't read the tweet yamamoto was injured anyway so right not great timing but anyway i put it out and there's been more than a thousand voters at this point <laughs> bruce it is a dead heat yeah. It was like 
at one point after about 800 votes. Now I think it's about 5149. So it's a, it's an it's an uh, oil oil country divided on this mm. crucial question. <laughs> so you might have the deciding vote. Well, they're both they both have their charms. <laughs> they do. Okay. Thanks for talking tonight, Bruce. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>